Our first uh, scripture reading is from the book of Revelation. We're looking in the New Testament today. Uh, two readings, both will be from the book of Revelation. This is a Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Listen to this portion of God's word. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, many years ago, when I was a little boy, Uh, We were playing Bible trivia in the church that I grew up in, in northern New Jersey. And it all came down to one question for the win. My Sunday school teacher, Mr. McCarthy, asked the question, what is the name of the last book of the Bible? I shot my hand right up. And then brimming with confidence, I shouted out, revolution. (laughs) Revolution. Like you, everyone in the class, including my Sunday school teacher, Mr. McCarthy, burst out laughing, and our team lost in Bible trivia. Well, you know, in looking back, I still stand by that answer. (laughs) I still think I was right on target, because even my mispronunciation that day was still some pretty good theology because the book of Revelation is indeed a revolutionary book. To open up the book of Revelation is like stepping into Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, into a never-never land of dragons and angels and lions and lambs and horses. There are big bowls that pour out their contents on the earth. Beasts rise up, one from the sea, with seven heads and ten horns, another from land with a dragon's voice and a lamb's horn. And all this stuff is punctuated with thunder and smoke and fire and blood. As Winston Churchill once said, it is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Now, the Protestant reformer Martin Luther dismissed the book of Revelation as unedifying to the believer. And probably because of its strange language and wild and crazy images, pastors in the church have sort of treated the book of Revelation as a biblical no man's land. Well, friends, we're going to try to dismiss that this morning because I believe that the book of Revelation can provide for you and me a framework for hope when we are in crisis. Now, in order for us to truly understand this book, the first thing we need to remember is that we are reading someone else's mail. Revelation was written during a time which evil seemed to be out of control. And John, the writer of the book of Revelation, 
writes sort of like a science fiction author. And he uses rich and colorful language to describe all these grotesque, death-dealing, Darth Vader-like figures to sort of illustrate the unspeakable evil and the oppression that is occurring to all those poor people at that time. And so you might imagine with me for just a moment, John sort of sitting down at his computer and struggling to, to stretch his language to try to describe these awful events that are going on in the world. Towering over all that stuff that's going on on the battlefield, John sees the risen Christ in all of his glory and majesty. And so I'm going to ask you to continue to join me as we turn to the back of the book, to the last book of the Bible in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, and I'm going to continue what I started earlier as I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. In this first chapter in Revelation, John has this spectacular vision in which he is taken up to a skylight into heaven, and he sees heaven from the inside. And so follow along now as I begin in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 1. He says, I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the persecution and the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining with full force. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and see, I am alive forever and ever, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. God, uh, these are strange, uh, deep, uh, mysterious words in our scripture reading today, and we need we really need your Holy Spirit to come and interpret these things for us so that we can better know the meaning that they have for us in our lives. And on this first Sunday of the new year, allow your word now to penetrate our hearts and prepare us as your people in 2022. Through Jesus Christ, our reigning Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, as I just said, uh, in the book of Revelation, it is addressed to a church that is under siege. How bad were things, you might ask? 
so bad that it's said that the torture, torches that were used at Emperor Nero's garden parties were actually the burning bodies of Christians. 30 years later, conditions got even worse than that as the Emperor Domitian launched a systematic campaign of terror that specifically targeted Christians with intimidation, imprisonment, and murder. In fact, it was said that Domitian was so arrogant that he demanded that the people address him as our Lord and our God. Now, you probably know enough that the favorite indoor sport amongst the Romans was persecution. Rome was slip sliding away into moral decay, and there was this yearning in the Roman Empire for the good old days. And so what better way to dust off the past, stir the pot, gather all true Romans together, and sing a few choruses of give me that old time religion, require absolute allegiance to the emperor, and at the same time, obliterate and stamp out this movement called Christianity. John, the writer of Revelation, sees all this coming as he writes right at the end of the first century with his eye fixed on this approaching storm. Just in case you're wondering, Christians back then were very much like Christians today. They were just as human as we are, and so they ran for cover out of fear. Some people dropped out of church. Some stopped practicing their Christian faith altogether. Numbers were dwindling. People were losing hope. And so John, whose exiles 90 miles about off the coast of Turkey on this tiny crescent-shaped Greek island called Patmos, dashes off an email to try to, to bolster the sagging spirits of these broken, battered bodies of Christ who are living in Asia Minor. And what he produces is revolutionary. It's a work that I think we all need when times are tough, when we are at wit's end, and when we are hanging on to the ledge by our fingernails. What does John say? John, I think, brilliantly sends them a message they need to hear and that we need to hear. What he does is he gives them a fresh new glimpse of the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. And what a glimpse it is. You heard me read it. His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like a rushing waterfall. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And I love what John says. He says, I took one look at him and I passed out. I fell at his feet as though dead. Who wouldn't? And then it says, in his right hand, he held seven stars. Just need to understand the scale here that we're talking about. In between the stars are millions and millions of light years. And you know enough about the Bible to know that seven in the Bible is the number for completion. And so what John is saying is that the entire cosmos, the entire world fits neatly in the palm of the hand of Jesus Christ. 
And so this is a big Jesus we're talking about. This is the cosmic Christ. Now, I don't know, maybe some of you are thinking, well, I'm not sure that was very nice of John to send that kind of Christ to those poor, suffering, oppressed people. Why not send to them the, the beautiful baby born in a manger whose birth we just celebrated last week at Christmas? Or, or, or why not send them the crucified Christ, the one who's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses? Or send them the resurrected Christ, the, the one who, who is alive again that we celebrate at, at Easter. Why, John? Why send to them this towering, furious figure who even strikes terror in your heart? I think I might know the answer. There is no greater comfort or encouragement than for us to have a fresh new glimpse of the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example. I remember um, flying one time to Ohio to see my friend John Minahan. He was pastoring a church in Newark, Ohio at the time. And one day we took a trip to Canton to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it was a wonderful experience, as you might imagine, for me to, to walk through that museum, to, uh, to, to see how the history of pro football began, to see all the uniforms and all the other memorabilia from the NFL over the past 75 years. Well, we walked into one room, and here were these illuminated bronze busts of all the inductees into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I have to tell you, it was almost like walking into a Gothic cathedral. Like I was standing on sacred ground, staring into the faces of all these giants of the game. And we went around the room looking at all the best and the greatest the NFL has ever produced, from A to Z, from Herb Adderley to Gary Zimmerman, all 247 members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, friends, Jesus Christ is our A to Z. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And through John's vision here in the book of Revelation, we discover that Jesus was far and away the best, the greatest, and head and shoulders above anyone else who has ever lived. Now, how about you? but I think we need this big titanic figure who has guided our past, who ministers to us in the present, and who has certainly assured our future. Because it is the same one who on Easter morning strolled out of the grave, jingling in his hand the keys to death and hell. And the wonderful thing is this, this, this Jesus Christ who is infinite and cosmic as we just celebrated at Christmas, is also intimate. Because even with John down in the dirt, knees knocking, quaking in his sandals, what does Jesus do? John says, he reached out and touched me. He says, Jesus placed his right hand on my shoulder and said, do not be afraid. Think about that. The same one who rules the world, the same one who holds the stars, the same one comes down and gently places his right hand 
on John's shoulder and says, do not be afraid. Friends, God is not here today on this Sunday, January 2nd, 2022, to add to your fears. Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. And this great and towering Jesus Christ reveals God's heart to you and me as he bends down low to meet us wherever we are. He reaches out with his hand and with affection and tenderness. He says to you and me, do not, do not be afraid. Each month I have this uh, Zoom call with uh, four of my buddies from Princeton Seminary. I've introduced you uh, in sermons to my covenant group that I meet with every year. We were in Florida back in October. We'll be somewhere else uh, in 2022. But we do a Zoom call once a month just to kind of check in. How are things going with the church? How are things going in our families? How are things going in our daily lives? In fact, we're gonna have the first one of the year this coming Wednesday. And the one thing that I always receive as a result of that call is the priceless gift of comfort. <laughs> I really do. And here's the reason. Sometimes it is just good to hear a new voice and to gain a fresh perspective. And I have to tell you that I always walk away thinking, why do I sweat the small stuff? Why do I toss and turn at night worrying about worship attendance? Why do I bite my fingernails and I'm anxious about the church budget? Why am I so obsessed on who the next youth director is going to be? Why am I so worried about if people like me? Not that I don't want people like me. But my, why am I worried about that when I know there's someone who loves me, who was born for me, who died for me, who was raised up for me, who holds the whole world? And yes, even me, in the palm of his hand. You know, Jesus never says in the gospel, you know why I came? I, I came here to, to take the edge off your stress level so that your life may be more bearable. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, I'm here to open up your eyes to the reality that there's absolutely nothing in this world or in the next that you need to be afraid about if you have me as your Lord. Jesus says, do not be afraid. After the uh, death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., many people believed that the civil rights movement was just going to unravel and, and collapse. And before his funeral service, there were many people believed that they were going to be witnessing much more than just the burial of Dr. Martin Luther King. They believed that it was also going to be the burial of all the progress that had been made by African-American people toward equality. And sure enough, at that funeral service, 
there was this heavy, deep despair. And many people came forward to the podium and, and eulogized Dr. King. But in that service, there was also one man who walked up to the podium, and his name was James Bevel, and he was one of Dr. King's followers. And James Bevel come, came forward to the podium. He looked out over that crowd, and in a strong and powerful voice, he said, there's a false rumor going around that our leader is dead. Our leader is not dead. Our leader is not Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he kind of let those words hang heavy in the air and sink into the people who gathered with all the painful controversy that come with those words. But then James Bevel continued, our leader is the one who led Moses out of Egypt. Our leader is the one who went into the lion's den with Daniel. Our leader is the one who walked out of the grave on Easter morning. Our leader is one who cannot be put in jail. Our leader is one who has never lost a war. Oh yes, our leader is still on the case. Our leader is not dead. One of his great prophets has died, but that will not stop us. Friends, I'm here to tell you that our leader, our risen and reigning Lord, Jesus Christ, is alive. Let us crown him with many crowns. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, you are infinite, you are the cosmic Christ, and yet you are also intimate. You're the God who holds the seven stars in the palm of his hand, yet the God who cups his ear to hear the cries of your children who are down in the dirt. We thank you, O oh God, that in this portrait given to us by your servant John this morning in Revelation, you've given us this magnificent picture of the risen Christ standing across the heavens and holding in his hands the keys of death and new life forevermore with you. Please, oh please, let us draw strength and comfort from that in your power, in your presence as we go through our days. And in the crises of our own lives, help us not to be afraid, but instead to rest in the sure and certain truth that you hold us firmly, but also gently in the palm of your hand. And as your face shines brightly upon us, may we also shine in this new year brightly for you in devotion, prayer, in love, and in service. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.